self-healing, modern awakening, and conscious relating are very popular topics at the moment in the spiritual community all over the world. However, what do these words mean and how can we apply these concepts to the real life in a practical way? Today, our guest is Amara Samata, who is the founder of Inner Guidance and Collaborative Relating System. She is a healer, coach, speaker, and trainer who works with an international clientele, uplifting the lives of conscious seekers, leaders, couples, and parents. My name is Jana Frey, and I'm your guide into the world of mysticism, spirituality, and consciousness. And you're listening to the Timeless Teachings podcast or watching Timeless Teachings YouTube channel where we have an open and honest conversations with teachers and leaders from all over the world about the various aspects of what is called spirituality and consciousness and its application in real life for people like you and me. Let's welcome Amara. Amara, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us today. So thank you for joining Timeless Teachings platform. <laughs> and um, let's just dive deep in. So my first question for you yeah. would be, um, what is self-healing? Hmm. So I guess I would say that self-healing is really that uh, willingness to return to wholeness. So often, you know, healing has this con connotation that something's off, you know, or something uh, needs to be fixed when, well, on the deepest level, that's sort of ultimately not true. There's an inherent wholeness that's there. And how do we sort of, uh, you know, build pathways back to that, re-remember that, unlearn the things that got in the way of that? and. Yeah, so it's a process of uh, realigning, reconnecting, facing yourself, meeting yourself, and um, really tuning in to the, to the truth that's there. And that requires a, a willingness of the self <laughs> to take that journey. And you have been doing it for a long time now, and we have known also each other for a very long time. So would you like to share with us in a beautiful, brief, incredible way, <laughs> your story, um, how Amara became who she is today. <laughs> okay, brief, brief little mini, mini story. Um, yes, um, we all have a natural curiosity, uh, you know, whether we keep that alive or we kind of put it to the side in life. Um, I had a very, like all children, a curious nature, and I really wanted to know from a young age, what's going on in this world? What's the truth? What's happening? What's like, what is all this created for? Um, and so that curious mind, you know, really took me on a, on a journey of being interested, especially around the human realm of connection, you know, self-discovery, personal um, discovery and personal development. Um, so I was very interested in psychology and spirituality and um, yeah, the, the science of being human and the art of being human. 
And this really led to, you know, I did yoga, uh, practice yoga and taught yoga um, in a dedicated way for 12 years, which was really preparation uh, for something else. I wasn't sure what it was, but um, that's part of what's happening, you know, for sure in the, in the yogic practice. And then I had a succession of teachers at a time in my life where I was really calling for the truth, you know, throw in a good dose of, um, you know, pain or conflict, trouble or trauma or drama. And, you know, it speeds up the process of wanting to go beyond that suffering. So there was a time in my life where I really, really just wanted to know what's beyond this uh, kind of personal suffering that, that comes in this, what do you call it? Loneliness or frustration or resentment or depression. And, um, yeah, so I met a series of teachers that all sort of each one of them unlocked a different layer, different door, kind of boom, boom, boom. And um, at one point I was doing um, these very experiential practices that were very anything goes, wild west, no teaching at all. Just <laughs> throw yourself in the deep end of you and sort of see what comes up. And so, you know, I did have some tools for driving myself through my own inner landscape. So I was using those, but I really started to hit upon some big realizations and big shifts. And I didn't understand what's happening to me. Um, what, you know, what does this mean when you start to hit this transpersonal realm? And so one of my friends um, said to me, oh, you're speaking Tibetan Tantra. And I said, what's that? <laughs> and they said, well, you know, it's, it's a long story. It's kind of secret. It's very hard to get the teachings, you know. And I said, no, I really need these teachings right now. You know, I, and I was calling for a teacher. And they said, well, there's one lineage that will teach you according to your experience, which is Dzogchen. And so I said, okay, universe, um, please bring me a Zogchen teacher. And all I ask is, and I said, I want them living in my house, teaching me every day. And all I ask is that they speak good English. And so, you know, sure enough, um, manifesting is something that I've used in my life um, for a long time. And I've learned to, to put a lot of effort towards manifesting teachers and teachings. Um, and so a teacher came in and she ended up, I ended up uh, working with her for two years and she lived with me for over a year and taught me every day the teaching. So I mixed this combination of theory with experiential practice. Yeah. And the two together with also a background and a little bit in self-studied psychology, religious um, studies, spiritual studies. And I kind of pulled it all together. And started to create this, um, yeah, a container for, for transformation. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> I always find yeah. it's fascinating when people do that. And I think people who listen to us or watch this interview right now, we can always relate to human part in the teacher. Right? It is very important. And then someone goes, yes, me too. I have done that too. I can relate to that. So yeah. that, that's, I always find the human element, particularly storytelling is, is really important. Mm -hmm. And um you do say that a big part of your work is around what you call a modern awakening. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more what is modern awakening in your perspective? Sure, sure. So 
Well, awakening is um, awakening, you know, from what to what. Um, mm -hmm. I'm talking about a, mm. yeah, it's the conscious evolution of the self. When it happens at a rapid pace, uh, it, we tend to call it, you know, a, a, an awakening. It can, it can also be in a, a different kind of pace, but in a modern sense, meaning um, kind of stripped down from all of the ideology that can often come attached to awakening. There's kind of spiritual ideology around it. What if we just go to the core, to the essence, uh, which is what you discover at awakening anyway. So, you know, when you, when you wake up out of ideology, out of your fantasy, out of the illusion of that we overlay onto reality um, with our conceptualized mind, that's really what you're waking out of. So, um, I like to bring it into a very clean, you know, modernistic uh, kind of bare bones <laughs> minimum to uh, how just essential can we take uh, the truth of self using your full intelligence. That's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. so, your, so your kinesthetic, emotional, psychological and energetic intelligence all at the same time, uh, inviting all of that in to through inquiry to question yourself, to uh, you know, sort of wit witness yourself and examine yourself, and uh, until you kind of get to the you know the ultimate paradox um, of that which cannot be found or named, uh, the sort of beyond what we see. So, I like to really make it one of my joys is bringing this to all types of people, certainly not just quote unquote spiritual people. Mm -hmm. I like spiritual people. I like non-spiritual people. Uh, I like the human experience of tapping into our potential. And we have so much untapped potential inside of us. It has nothing to do with any kind of ideology, any sort of lens that you look through the world, not a scientific lens or spiritual lens or um, psychological lens. These are all great lenses. But what I'm interested in, it was what's even beyond or behind that lens. So that's what I mean by modern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you said that you're interested in spiritual, non-spiritual people, it's actually exactly my sort of next question here. But mm -hmm. I find personally, when we talk about those subjects, we do use a lot of vocabulary and language that is sort of spiritual, just mm -hmm. the way how we refer to things, because we know what we talk about. And so for spiritual people, it's fine. They sort of understand to some extent, maybe not everything, but most of the part. And those who might not be very familiar with this, they might not even understand what we are talking about here with the words that we use. So let's let's help. <laughs> let's help in that sense that make it understandable for those who might don't consider themselves to be spiritual. And so a person who lives life like most of us do, have families, jobs, everyday routine, right? And might not even do any particular practices. And so here they are listening to us. And so what is coming up for them? As I'm listening to you, what comes up for me is it's all about full potential. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much hum human potential, regardless of 
religion and science and practices and all of that. So it's just how can you unlock your full potential? Would that be something that yeah, in other language, how we can explain it? Yes, I like to say human optimization, but even that word. Perfect, great word. <laughs> that's even gotten usurped a little bit by the technology sector, you know, and they think, when they say human optimization, you know, they think like electro, you know, like things, brain chips or something. So I, I'm talking about your natural, true nature, um, just your, your natural potential with your, um, you know, life given body, heart soul, mind, energy field, um, psychology, emotionality, using all of that in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It really actually makes sense. When you get into what I love about the awakening beyond illusion is you start to get into realizations that just make so much more sense than how we're living our lives with an overlay you know, of concepts and assumptions that actually don't make a lot of sense. Um, so it's not that sometimes people who, you know, might think that spirituals or so some sort of woo-woo thing that sort of is um, bypassing something and not really being, I don't know, sound or responsible, but truly awakening potential is actually the opposite. It's very sound. It makes complete sense. And other, you know, otherwise, it wouldn't be sustainable. It wouldn't be uh, the truth. So we're talking about sustainable human optimization. Those yes. are three great words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we need we need a lot of that right now. Uh, we need we need to that and fast. You know. Yes, and fast. Okay. So here, and let me please, uh, please allow me a little bit to play a role of a devil advocate here. So if I may, so especially about the part fast, right? So also in my own experience, like I've been seeing what's happening with people around when we go into this kind of work. And so I think now it has been um, sort of a topic of debate for many people. Do we want to go fast? Do we want to go slow? Or do we want to be somewhere in the middle? Mm. And so that's just to give people full perspective and that they also understand for some people, fast is great. For some, not at all. It would sure. be very dangerous and harming. Right? For yeah. some people, slow is better. And for others, better to stay somewhere in the middle. So I think it's just important to give this holistic view. So I know you work fast. I know I also do a lot of work really fast. When mm -hmm. people come to me, I say I'm like F1, you know, a Ferrari in F1 <laughs> driver. So you better faster than you see the belt. But also I learned that it's not for everyone. And for some people, it the the upgrade happens so quickly, they're not able yes. to integrate it, right? That's saying we have to be very honest and open about it, mm -hmm. but they're getting into. So do you want to just elaborate a little bit about this slow, middle, fast, yeah. and how a person can choose what is the best for them, right? So which pace is actually good for them? Okay. So yes, you are bringing light and thank you to a classic teaching of what's called, you know, step-by-step, step, skipping the grades or suddeners, you know. It's, for some people, the scenic route is, is the way, you know, to move into realization um, greater and greater, you know, as, you know, in a very kind of like graceful way. Other people kind of learn 
step, you know, a few steps back and then leaping forward and back and forward. Um, and others can have like a big boom, maybe a few setbacks and then, a, you know, and then like back forward. Um, all of this is relatively true, for sure. On a, on a bigger scale, and this is what's also very interesting in this conversation, is, as it's been said, um, and of course, you can go even bigger than that conversation, but on the, like when you add technology in, if we, you know, the com one of the common thoughts being thrown around right now is that if we don't understand our natural human potential while we're creating technology, you know, that's optimizing us, um, that that's not going to add up to a good thing. You know, it's a, a creating from a place of, we'll call it um, ignorance or not yet realized, something that's very quickly taking over the world is going to have very, um, well, from a human point of view, definitely not a positive experience for most people. And so it's very important that as we play with accelerated artificial intelligence, uh, that we look at accelerating our own natural united intelligence. So I think that it's a little become a little bit of a luxury to get to hang out in your chosen category. <laughs> I think that there's we're being amped up to to wake up, grow up and and really show up uh, in a way that's maybe a little out of our comfort zone. Um, so that's why I would say, and quickly, maybe more so than maybe at some other times in uh, human history, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely. I am just looking here from the perspective of people who are coming, right, yeah. for, for the practices. And I just, for all our listeners and, and the audience who is watching, it just, it's, a, it's an important, I find personally, it's an important a moment to be aware of yourself. And I know that Amara, because I know her personally, she has integration tools. Mm -hmm. And again, so here we have um, just honest conversations with pretty much friends during those interviews. And, and some of them may be not that much friends because I don't know them that well. It is I know you and I know that you have tools. And at yeah. the same time, uh, I'm just keeping this widened perspective here during this particular conversation for the sake of our audience, so guys and girls, you know, those who are listening to us, just be very careful when you come to a teacher and yes. make sure that this person has integration tools yes. after the process when they say that their process is fast, right? Because otherwise yes. you're going to land on your face. And so I think Amari and I had this conversation also several years ago. I mean, she definitely landed on her face several times in her life because she went through those accelerated processes without proper integration tools. You know, mm -hmm. I can definitely relate myself to this too. I went through similar ones with different people, landed on my face. Mm -hmm. And it is really hard to pick up your pieces back together. And uh, I think also a big part of your teaching from what I know about you is about doing it graceful, right? And I think also when you guide, you always say, let's make it graceful. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so at the same time, 
Uh, so now people are listening to us and we say, yes, let's wake up fast. And then they go somewhere, maybe not to you, you know, not to me, to mm-hmm. someone else. And I'm not saying we are having all the answers by any means. Like mm-hmm. I'm not promoting it this way, but just uh, let's use common sense, you know. And so just when you guys go around and just make sure you have this holistic view also on the guide and the teacher. So yeah, especially I mean, it's, it's, the fast modalities, right? Yeah, it's, it's not going to do anybody any good if we're, you know, rushing, you know, out of fear or desperation or something, you know, against the clock. Uh, although a little pressure, I think, is, is, is good for kind of getting your attention. Um, so, yeah, but we want to be at a, at a, at a and, and the truth is, I mean, awakening can be instant it's it's not it seems I know it seems so difficult you know we have so many layers built up against true presence and true seeing and we've become so used to them and we have so many stories embedded as to why it's challenging, you know, but this and but this and but that, and what about this and what about that? And the what if I ask is what if fear wins in your life? What's going to happen then? So all those thoughts are often driven by fear. And the process is quite, it can be very simple, but yes, you need very, it's like a very precise surgery, you know, it needs to be very clean. It needs to be working with the capacity of the student and, you know, with yourself, it needs reflection time. So yes, maybe we could upgrade the word, you know, fast to, um, I like the word optimized. This is actually, yes. I think it's a really great word. Optimized is yes. a great word. Yeah. Because Op- it's sort optimized. of also meets person where they are, right? Yes. I mean, and we all have our own way to do this. Sorry, putting you on the spot. <laughs> that seems to be happening during those conversations all the time here. But yes. it's just from my perspective, I, I do want to have this very holistic view for people. So we're not a kind of, I mean, we own ourselves and we're not afraid to shine light on everything, right? When we have conversation and because for me, perhaps also coming from my own experience and also working with a major variety of teachers, I know that if uh, sometimes when you go too fast without integration, it could be challenging. And at the same time, I know with your work, you know what you are doing. So yeah. it's it's fine. So, <laughs> but yet let's yeah. give people and- that opportunity to, to understand it. Oh, for sure. Up, yeah. You want to optimize it at, at, a, at a pace that, you know, you're not dragging your feet and you're not sort of, you know, saving space for distraction. I mean, that also comes down to your readiness. You know, when you're really ready, the time is now. And when you're willing, you know, you, you take action and then you find your ability what next and what next so i call it ready willing and able you must have all three of these things to 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 really give appropriate optimization a chance and in anything you do um yeah and we're just talking about the the doing and the being of of this you know having a more um, holistic consciousness you know perception Mm -hmm. right Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But our people, it's also challenging for sure. I mean, people are being challenged right now if, if they're not addressing their more optimal nature. Um, this is happening. 
So we're kind of getting hit with, you know, a, a rock and a stick, you know, from both sides. <laughs> that sort of, it's challenging if you do it, it's challenging if you don't do it. So, you know, I say best just, you know, get on with really what's living an integral life as much as you can and bringing as much awareness to the life experience um, so that it has that, you know, if you're interested in a harmonious, happy, fulfilling, joyful, um, integrated, integral life. Uh, that's what we're talking about. I love that. Yes, exactly. And I know you're also really big about building community. I know it has been a big part of your work and you're really focused and conscious about that. And of course, as a part of the community, then there's another aspect to your work, which you call, um, is it conscious relating or collaborative relating? Yes. Right. Collaborative relating. Yeah. Collaborative which is very much about relationships with people. So do you want to tell yeah. us about that? Yeah, I'm really excited. This, this of course, is a natural outpouring of helping people face themselves, realize themselves, you know, meet, meet the truth within them. And then the natural thing is to, you know, go share that and interact with others. So I began to work with couples. Um, and I developed a, um, a process for integrating and bringing forward truth, building empathy, building trust um, in ways that are doable, that are fun, that are easy, that are effective. I like things that are really effective. If they don't work, <laughs> you know, out. out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> Next. And I've been in this, you know, as you know, in, in my home and in my space in Bali, I've been in this laboratory uh, field and leading retreats and kind of testing these methods for almost a decade now. So they're, they're like a spiritual scientist. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's just been such a, a beautiful experience. And um, it's so rewarding working with uh, couples and then seeing the culture that develops out of um, true collaboration, you know, really where your negotiations and uh, any the way that you connect and the way you communicate all add up to a really healthy collaborative togetherness. Um, this is what we love, you know, what we want. So I, yeah, with families and um, do it with my own team and, in business, and I am forming a community in Bali. It's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And um, these are predominantly, the first round is predominantly families who, who love this work and have seen the benefits of it and love what it's bringing out in the family for them and for the children. I, I work often with people's children as well, with their parents. Um, and so now we're bringing it, you know, really into a community field where we're saying, you know, we have to get collaborative as a community and an integrated community with locals, uh, people with the expats coming in and integrating all aspects and then with the earth. So um, I'm really excited about really bringing this into reality as like a shared experience with a group of, you know, we don't, we don't know yet, but there, there's a large group of 30, 40, 50 people, 100 people, um, you know, not as a cult, certainly, but as a culture, a healthy, a healthy. Great culture. definition and difference. 
Yeah, I've been invited to start a cult many times. No, thank you. I'm not interested. Um, but a culture that is healthy and built on um, self-responsibility. Let's just expand here a little bit more because I think it's important what you said. And the first mm-hmm. time I hear this cult and culture together, I think it's a great way of I'm addressing sure. it. Again, because the way what we do here, we just pretty much highlight everything people would think anyway, but sure. afraid to ask. So we just tell them without them asking, right? So and again, maybe someone is listening and goes, and what is the difference between cult mm-hmm. and culture? I'm not sure I understand. So let's make yeah. it easy for them. So will you be able to just explain to us a little bit what do you think cult is and what is culture and what is the difference between the two so that we all understand it? Sure. Uh, Yeah, I'll do my best. So when I'm using those words, um, when we say the word cult, we are usually identifying the most um, non-beneficial aspects of culture. When we say culture, um, we're usually highlighting the most beneficial aspects of culture. When I say culture, I'm talking about the sentiment, the shared understanding of the people involved, right? So every country country has its culture, its shared understanding around how things should be, how things should be done. Um, and then they ritualize it they symbolize it you know in their food and in their dress and in their art uh and in the way they you know live live their lives so everything there's culture everywhere or sort of lack of culture in some more in some places so we talk a lot about cultural um re-education and you know these these words can get very slippery depending on the meaning behind it but i will say a cult is one in which your um there's a way in which it's easy for things to be taken advantage of and things are you know ways of being and acting are not transparent they're not honest they um you'll see a lot of um just these bad communication habits, connection habits, uh, guilt tripping, shaming, subtle things not being said that incentivize some sort of consequence. If you don't go along, you know, with the culture of the cult, as opposed to a healthy culture, which is based on, and I have six, five or six things that I base a healthy culture on. Um, the first one is uh, acknowledgement. So this is one of the top. So I'll give you the keys of, of a healthy culture. That I, that no, I guys, listen, listen very carefully. <laughs> so whether it's you and your, you know, your husband, your wife, your partner, your friend, uh, your family. And then I teach ways to implement these into your family using ritual and symbology charts you put on your refrigerator, you know, and you can point to that things that you can do that say, oh, we know what this means. So you start to gather a conscious belief system, you know, within the people involved. So number one is acknowledgement. This is where you are, you're seen and you're heard and you're sharing acknowledgement. Some of the highest forms of acknowledgement are appreciation and gratitude. 
Um, so nobody comes to the table without appreciation. We don't start a conversation without appreciation. It won't go well. <laughs> That's just the rule, you know, it is a, and it's a good one to follow. So um, that's step one, uh, one of the keys. Step two is radical self-responsibility. Taking ownership of your own story where you say, hey, the story I'm telling myself you know, about you is, and it's my story. I can own it. It may not be true, but it's the one I have. Uh, and so I'm able to say the story I have is I feel like I'm, I'm telling myself this, you know, what's happening for me is I keep wondering about this or that. So I'm explaining my experience. That's responsibility. Versus telling other people what their experience is. Well, you're so this and you're so that. That's my perception. How will I ever know if that's what you are <laughs> until I'm omniscient? Uh, right? I will not ever know. Um, I can just assume. So my assumptions, taking responsibility for your assumptions, that the assumption I'm making, what seems to be happening here, you know, from my point of view is this. So that's one thing in the culture. Um, step three is uh, the key of vulnerability, which is where you take a risk to share what's important to you before you find out if other people think it's important to, as well or not. This is how I feel. You know, I feel excited um, and not being ashamed of that. Or I feel scared. I feel concerned. I feel torn. I feel, um, yeah, just really blessed. Whatever your kind of emotional experiences that's an important thing to share it builds it, it invites other people to invest as well in um, from the heart and then uh, the other step is what really naming what you need and what you want so taking responsibility for your wanting here's what I want doesn't mean I'm going to get it <laughs> But whether you are a guru or the student or in the board members, you know, what, what, here's what I need and here's what I want. And the last key is to learn how to ask. It's so important how to make an actual, I call it the art of the request or the art of asking. And most people don't ask because they're afraid of the answer. So they manipulate or they imply, I'd really like to have, you know, some time with you. Okay, well, that's great information. <laughs> what is it? Are you? What are you asking for? You know. Yes. <laughs> right. So, would you be willing to? And then you invite the willingness of the other person in, and you really listen. The last key is to really hand over the outcome, and instead of holding on to the outcome you want, instead, in this culture, the outcome is the one that's best for all involved, and so that takes a collaborative effort, realizing that. You're not here to get your way. It may go your way. It may not. You're here to collaborate, to build something even more meaningful had you not, you know, had you, had you just done it on your own. And, and that's where it gets really beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Let me try to recap it for the, benefit, for, the, for the benefit of all who are listening to us, okay. right? Yeah. So we start with appreciation and gratitude. Mm -hmm. Then you mentioned the radical self-responsibility when we take responsibility for our own story, right? What we are, what we are telling ourselves about others and ourselves. Yes. Then it was vulnerability. 
where we say that when I'm vulnerable and I openly share how I feel and what's happening in the depths of my soul, then it gives permission other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. Then we are talking about being clear about your wants and needs. Again, first of all, in your own mind. Yes. And then the next step would be asking for that. So this ability to ask clearly other person mm-hmm. without what you said, expectation that you will 100% receive it. You might, mm-hmm. you might not. You might receive a fragment of it. So, but you have asked. Yes. And, and then it's the last step is kind of letting go of the outcome where mm-hmm. it is not just for you to satisfy your own needs and your own wants, but it's creating this for everyone, whoever the parties are, right? Did they get it right? Yes, that's beautiful. Yes. Thank oh, you guys, that. you might want to write it down or re-listen to this again if mm-hmm. you did not catch it yet, because those are great steps. And I think it's what you said, right? It applies to family. It applies to uh, teamwork in the company. And Oh, yes. Applies to uh, professional, romantic, uh, friendship type of relationship. It applies to all sorts of relating among us as humans. So it's a very universal way of dealing with this, which I love about it, Amara. Yes. So thank you for yes. sharing that with us. That was very generous. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I teach this how to actually write this out, how to speak this, how to get in the flow of it. It's been used for people who were trying to, uh, you know, needed a million dollars in investing, had tried for two years, couldn't get it. I said, how are you asking? And I said, well, no wonder you're not getting it. (laughs) And they learned the system. They talked, they got the funding on the very next time, you know, in their pitch, in their pitch Um, with couples, you know, how to relate better, how to connect better couples that are thinking, you know, this is the end. It's no, it's just the beginning when they learn how to speak in this way and relate. And it's not, and it's so fascinating when you go through this process because it really does break down. It helps you unlearn, you know, sort of these old protective habits that aren't really serving you. So it seems quite simple, but it really starts to, okay. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) It actually requires inner work, right? It requires to be brave within yourself and it requires to to face perhaps insecurities. I mean, we all have to some extent, you know, as humans and own inner dialogue and to work it through. And I guess this is where the work comes when people come to you and work with you actually in order to be able to ask in this, which feels very simple, you have to do a lot of work on yourself. That's right. So that's where the inner guidance work is working on you and like how, what most sometimes people realize I don't actually know what I what I want what I'm even asking for so you have to do the work on yourself then you can get into the collaborative relating um, and then it gets you know then you start to work it works in both direction directions I need to you know be honest with myself and the other person the other person needs to be honest with themselves and with me I need to care about myself and the other person they need to care about themselves and me. So when you get all four of those working together, then you have a holistic, supportive, mutual relationship. Beautiful. And I can definitely relate to this. I mean, for myself, I am in a stage of my life at the moment when I'm learning what I want. So I can relate to this scale that you said when people ask me, so Yana, what is it that you want? 
let me reflect on this and I will get back to you. <laughs> so when you say that there are people who might not even know what they want, I mean, right now I am one of them and it's really mm-hmm. interesting. And so I can totally relate to this. And yes, yeah. absolutely. It requires some time and reflection and work just to figure out it first for yourself before you're even able to ask. So thank you. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. this, Samara. That was, I love that. That was great. Yeah. yeah. And um. My next question would be for you. Um, share with us a little bit. Why are you doing the work that you do? Yeah. Like for you, right? So what, 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 what is in it for Amara? <laughs> okay. Well, there's two answers, like in, in a way to that. So on one side, um, I don't feel like I do work. Mm-hmm. And since I, well, to say that I had an awakening is not really true because there is no I that wakes up. The I of self identity really falls away, and then awakeness is just there. You know, a view beyond the overlay of ego is just presence, you know, very natural. So I no longer hold in the, in the way I did before a sense of me that's doing work. So it's a very interesting paradox where if I'm working with people, I know what's happening and I'm in that process and it's going great. When I step away, I have, I don't really have a lot of concept about me and my work. There's not a lot, whatever is in in presence is there. Mm -hmm. That, so that's just an interesting part of being me. But besides that, putting that aside, there is, or within that, there is a human aspect, right? That, um, is having a human experience. And for me, um, I, you know, I watched my family growing up as a child really struggle with communication and struggle with connection at times in a way that was, you know, was really traumatic. And I thought, surely we can do better than this. You know, like it has to be, there has to be a better way. And same with living life. You know, I just thought, there's some sort of magic we're not connecting with. It seems like we could be doing a lot better. We could be having so much more fun on this planet. What are we doing? Walking around with our frowns and our frappuccino, you know, keeping to ourselves, not looking at each other. This is bizarre. Um, That sort of, so for me, it's like, I'm curious what's possible. How, open, how alive, how inspired, um, peaceful, graceful, joyful, blissful can we be? Are we allowed to be that? Um, Is it okay to be like that? And for me, life is a big discovery of the, you know, not really wasting the potential that's there in any moment. And I can see that life is very down here, it seems very dense and long, but it's actually quite a small flash of experience. So I like to make the most of it. And um, yeah, so the work is just something that I, I love, um, just pulling out the, 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 the beauty and the richness that is in all people, sometimes hiding there, you know? <laughs> And showing them, you have the key. It's right there in your hand. You just, I'm just pointing to the key and the, you know, helping you unlock yourself. Um, 
And uh, I think that's, uh, for me anyway, uh, human potential is the most meaningful thing I could find um, to dedicate a life to, to. Beautiful. And just to unfold a bit further with that particular question, also on everything we discussed with you building community and building the programs and the work that you are doing in your heart of hearts, in the world where everything is possible and there are no limitations, what is your vision for the work that you do and mm -hmm. how it involves other people in that? Yeah, so... My, my first level of vision is to take the work that I've been doing that has been very, we'll say, helpful or supportive or beneficial, sometimes often called life-changing for people, and map it out in a way that it can be handed over to others. I don't want to keep this just as an Amara thing. This is, this is a discovery um, of inquiries, sequential processes, ways of questioning, ways of allowing our truth to come forward that I want other people to be able to facilitate. So the uh, Inner Guidance Institute is in the process of being launched. I just looked at the new site today, very exciting, and um, coaching, um, facilitating certification is something that's coming forward to help people you know, one, to really know how to do it for themselves, two, how to hold space for others in their family, their children, their community. And three, if you are a space holder, um, if you are somebody who's a, a therapist or a coach or a counselor, these are tools, even a nurse, these are things that you can bring in when you are holding space for another human being to around well-being, um, tools that can really help cut out the confusion and accelerate the understanding. Um, so this is something we are, we have been building a process that I really want to share that as far and wide as I can. I'll start, I'll start there. That, that's, that's what's on my plate right now. That's a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. And that also brings us, I think to the, uh, to the end of our interview today. So I have just a final question for you. Okay. What was your favorite playful activity as a child? Oh, favorite playful activity. Um, oh, I, I loved very creative things but you know one thing I always did from young is I would line up all my little dollies and I would teach them how to do things in a circle <laughs> and I, I'm still doing it so I would line them all up and I would show them how to do the play-doh and you know how to um whatever I was doing I used to like to, to stretch or dance or build things or draw and uh, I would have them do it with me I was very collaborative I think with my <laughs> With, with my, your relating uh, with your dolls, <laughs> my relating with my dolls, and um, I was the only girl uh, with with my mom and my two and my dad, my two brothers, and my brothers were often out with my father. So, uh, me and my mom and my dolls would sort of do a lot of uh, childhood um, play and spending time in nature. So I was very comfortable being alone. Uh, taking walks. I grew up in the in the country, so in the woods and down by the river, and looking for four leaf clovers and finding caves. Uh, 
I still like discovery on my own as well. <laughs> both the, the autonomy, you know, and the collective uh, collaboration both. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. You know, Mari, it's amazing for me every time. I, I do like to ask questions around childhood to the guests yeah. here. And yeah. it amazes me, you know what, always that we are born into our life's work as children. Mm-hmm. And it just takes us certain number of years and it depends for each human being how long to catch up in our mind with the fact that this is what we are meant to do and the 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 biggest joke of all is we eventually end up doing anyway what we were doing when we were five or six it's so true i I totally agree you know i often fashion (laughs) right Ask people, you know, what did you love when, you, when people are lost and they're saying, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go, where to turn. They're having like a real, um, you know, difficult time in their life or existential crisis. They'll say, what did you love when you were young? And just go back to it. You never, you know, you, you put it aside, but you never stop loving it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so exactly. Especially for the first seven years of your life when yeah. we don't have that much concepts yet about ourselves and others and the world. So, ladies and gentlemen, who have been listening to this amazing conversation with Amara today, Thank there's you, a Yana. lot of content and you might want to re-listen and re-watch it again to just kind of really give yourself some time to process and integrate everything that have been shared. And we will be providing links and the way for you to connect with Amari and learn more about her work. And of course, if you have any questions, I assume you can reach out and either her yeah. or maybe her team will be helping you out, but you can always do that. And sure. uh, remember to play, remember to do what you were doing when you were a child. That's that always brings smile. Look at Amara. <laughs> It always brings smile to our faces. Yes, so thank you for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you, Jana. Thank you for this opportunity. Really appreciate it. Wow. Thank you, Amara. Timeless Teachings Podcast and YouTube channel is the platform for raw and unfiltered conversations about spirituality, mysticism, and consciousness. We invite guests from all over the world to show you the variety of opinions, schools, and pathways that give the promise of illumination or what is called liberation. And it is up to you to decide which path resonates with you the most at this moment of your life. Only you know what is right for you. Did you enjoy the interview? Feel free to share this episode with friends, subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. Stay wild and be humble. До встречи!